Lousy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fly Suite Podcast, partnered with RaiderRamble.com. But first things first, Jose, why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest, Mr. B.D. Williams. You know, when I heard he was going to join up with us and you saw me some of his tweets, I was like, that's funny because I have seen quite a few of his breakdowns and I'm like, dude, this guy is like on the money. He's like one of the right, he's going to be one of these rising stars that's like, that's right now, it's not getting totally recognized, but people... People are going to w- wake up, the sun's going <laughs> to rise, and then people are going to be like, oh, okay, I know this guy. I know this guy. So I just, anytime someone's doing like a film breakdown, you know, I, I wish I could just do that too. It's just an amazing thing that someone's doing just for the m- amount of work that they're putting in and doing. So just sh- great job on BD's part, and that's why we have him on here to talk ball. Well, thanks, guys, for having me. That's a hell of an introduction. I appreciate it, guys. <laughs> really do. No, no we, we like Thank to, you for coming we like on. To make, we like to make our guests feel like they're – feel like they're welcome here so we always respect anyone's work and grind so that's just it's just phenomenal work ethic so man good on you brother thanks guys that's awesome that's awesome looking forward to it pleasure to have you on my friend but let's get to it first things first let's talk about mr zay jones you know earlier in the week the raiders traded a fifth round pick for zay jones you know not exactly a big name but as we know there's been quite a bit of turnover at the wide receiver position Feels like with every new week means there's a new, at least one new wide receiver on the team. So I'm curious, what's your guys' thoughts? You know, I'll start with UBD. What do you think about Zay Jones' fit in the offense? Yeah, uh, I think I think it actually makes sense with Zay Jones. If you look at what the offense has right now, Tyrell Williams, he's that consummate X receiver. He plays above the rim. He stretches the field vertical. Uh, Darren Waller and Foster Moreau, they're holding it down at the tight end position. And what really what the offense has been lacking is uh, like a kind of traditional Z receiver, especially mm-hmm. in the Gruden offense uh, that runs the short routes, that runs the intermediate routes. Um, and that's kind of where or how Gruden wants to move the ball. He wants to move it in the passing game through the Z receiver. And that guy, what, it's been like Ryan Grant or, you know, a J.J. Nelson, maybe yeah. one game. Right. So I think Zay Jones has been healthy throughout his uh, NFL career. And when I watched him on film, uh, when I found out uh, that the Raiders signed him, I definitely noticed that he has a really good ability to find open holes, especially against zone coverage. Something that he did a lot with uh, Tyrod Taylor and Josh Allen was all these off-script plays where he's, like, going to the perfect plays at the right time. And everyone knows Derek Carr needs to make a few more of those. So that could, you know, potentially be a Mm -hmm. little bit of offense. Something, though, a couple things that are kind of question marks for Zay Jones when I watched him on film. He doesn't really separate against man coverage, especially on the outside. You know, he's playing Stephon Gilmore in New England. He's playing, uh, you know, tough, tough corners on on the schedule. Don't get me wrong, but uh, it doesn't really ever. I don't really ever see him make a lot great separation when he's playing against man coverage. And uh, he's has worst catch rate in the. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's something that Raiders fans are going to groan about. Like they're so, we're so tired of seeing receivers uh, drop the ball. But that, this is something that Zay Jones has really struggled with in his career so far, which is it's kind of funny because he like set records at East Carolina for the number of catches in a career and in a season. So it sounds like he should have good hands, but it really hasn't manifested itself so far in the NFL. Um, something that you could say about it is he had Josh Allen as a quarterback this last year, not known as a super accurate guy, especially he was a rookie last Terrible. year, Josh Allen with the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. And uh, when, when you're watching this tape, yeah, some of them, it, the balls are, ball, ball placement is everywhere. It, you know, it's, it's high, it's low, you know, <laughs> yeah. whatever it is. 
So I think you you should see you know an improvement in, in, in Zay Jones' ability to catch the football with Derek Carr. He's known as more of an accurate passer, especially yeah. like when throwing the intermediate and short stuff. So you should see an improvement there, but it's definitely something that you know you could keep your eye on if you're a Raiders fan. Yeah, I mean, I I can't say I've watched or followed Zay Jones too much since he was in Buffalo. Um, you know, I know he does have some chemistry with my guy Nate Pete, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I, I remember when Zay Jones was coming out of the draft. You know, I, I kind of wanted the Raiders to take us take him in the second round, but I feel like they didn't have a pick or something like that, or he ended up going before. Uh, they had a chance, which uh, basically just didn't work out. So I'm kind of excited to see what he can do. You know, I've always looked at him like, you know, I think a lot of what you're saying, BD, where he's, you know, an athletic freak. You know, he's always been yeah, yeah. that, you know, really athletic guy. But like I think you're saying, you know, not being able to separate man coverage, where I think that's the biggest concern is, is this guy a bigger, better athlete than, you know, football player or wide receiver? But I mean, for a fifth round pick, I like it, you know, like we said, we're looking for a number two receiver right now, and he adds to that mix. And it's just a matter of if he can put us together. <clears throat> Acquisition of uh, Zay Jones now means that the Raiders have started 13 players at receiver in less than two seasons under Gruden, whereas they started six players at receiver <laughs> in the three previous years. Mm-hmm. So uh, case in point, Gruden's like, oh, I don't know what we're doing. I'm just gonna, I'm just going to wing it. This guy's like at the plate playing baseball and he's just swinging every time any receiver, you know, AB was a big ass failure. And so any other person, Jordan Nelson, I mean, this guy is just, it's just, it's just more, it's just more, it just gives more credence to how horrible of a talent evaluator he is. I mean, we brought, remember when James, we brought him on like a couple of months ago, he was just like, he was straight up, I just don't trust Gruden as a talent evaluator. <laughs> And it's it's just proven fruitful just from the way he just keeps shuffling, he just keeps playing musical chairs with these lineups, man. I mean, you just don't get a sustainable core in there, then we're gonna wonder why Derek Carr is not able to like to want, does not want to go deep or look for a key player because for him, chemistry means a lot. That, and that's why he was always going to Michael Crabtree more more times than not over Amari Cooper, even though Amari Cooper was the, obviously the better talent. But still, if you're if you're talented, and you don't have chemistry with the quarterback, then it doesn't matter. You know, it's, it's a moot point, but I'm just hoping at this point he's able to, as the time goes on, especially on this bye, you know, they're not really working because they didn't, he get, Gruden gave him the week off. And as, yeah. like I said, as long as it's, as long as the time's going by and everything, then they're just building more camaraderie and everything's like getting solid, the relationship. So that way they can develop that and just key in on each other a little better I know it's like it, it feels like chemistry is getting overrated nowadays because people say all offensive systems will set them up, which is true in a way. But, you know, you still want that chemistry there, especially for a quarterback and receiver. So, yeah, on Zay Jones, I didn't I cringed when, <laughs> when BD here said, oh, he has a little case of the dropsies. It's like, no, that's not that's not ideal, man. You, yeah. I, I always hate that for a receiver. Like, why are you dropping the ball? You have one job. Catch the ball. All right, it's not that hard, you know. And creating separation, I know that that's something that players can work with, and that's something that coaches can scheme up, you know. But you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how all these players are getting implemented. You know, Trevor Davis starting to come around. I mean, I know he didn't. He had an ugly, a low light moment against the Bears, but you know, you can see his he he even he was getting his reps worked in after like just two games. So. Yeah. It'll be widely interesting to see how everyone's uses is, if the formations are going to change, you know, how they're going to go go around about. Um, maybe Hunter Renfo will step up, and then that'll just allow, like, Zay Jones and Trevor Davis to come to own and others. But 
you know, we'll just see how it goes. You know, it's it's just still a little early. They're sitting three and two, so they have a just a little amount of room just to mess around, just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, to the point of Gruden as a talent evaluator, you know, I think you know that's the the rumor as why he wanted to come back because nobody really trusted him in Tampa as a talent mm-hmm. evaluator and whatnot, and the the whole stigma of he won with Tony Dungy's players and obviously takes over with the Raiders and kind of right, remakes right. the roster. But the one thing I will say for Zay Jones is I think this was more of a Mayock decision because if I remember correctly from the draft, Mayock loved Zay Jones. He loved the athletic potential. And, mm-hmm. you know, I know it's uh, 13 starting receivers, but, hey, you know, you got to deal with what we got to deal with at this point. And I'm happy with it, but, you know, I, I get the frustration. It is, it is kind of a what are we doing moment a little bit. I mean, that's not to say that they shouldn't keep trying to add pieces, but yeah. it's just, just more, like I said, it just gives more evidence, more credence to the fact that, like, damn, what is, does this guy even know what he's doing, kind of? I mean, you know, people, we want to say, like, oh, he, ha- he has a plan, but what's the plan if you just keep <laughs> shifting the goalposts every freaking week? But, I mean, I know, it, it's fine, good. I hope Zay Jones pans out, but, <laughs> like I said, just it'll just be interesting to see how it's going to pan out. Hopefully it works out, and we'll just see how it goes from there. Yeah, I mean, I'm cautiously optimistic about Zay Jones. He he was uh he did have a lot of buzz coming out. A lot, a lot of people really like the talent there, like like we're talking about right now. But uh, something I will say about as far as like this plan of how many receivers that come in, if you're not getting production out of a, like a unit, you got to churn that roster. You know, you got to keep on adding people and see when the cream rises to the top. Mm-hmm. I know uh, this is just something I know because I I followed Pete Carroll when he went to the Seattle Seahawks that. They like they led the league, like they set a record with how many acquisitions that they had in the lead up to when they won the Super Bowl. So everyone was like, "Why are they keep on cutting people and a- adding new people?" And it was just to find the best guys, you know, to get out there. So uh, I think I think it's honestly better to keep on bringing in guys and see if they can beat out Marcel Aitman, if they can beat out these uh, Killing Doss and lower guys on the roster. That just means that position room got better. So we'll see. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Moving on to the uh, defense, BD, I know obviously one of your th- big things is uh, coverage on the defensive end of things. So I'm curious, you know, you know, what have you seen from the Raiders so far as far as schematically? And, uh, you know, last week we were talking about Garyon Conley and his struggles. And, you know, what kind of things have you seen with Garyon where, you know, he's necessarily struggling and whatnot and where he can improve? First of all, the Raiders uh, really like to run a lot of man coverage. So... I mean, Garon Conley, he's a man, mm-hmm. press man, cover corner. You know, they brought in Daryl Worley. We thought maybe he'd be a press man, cover corner with his size. He seems like he prefers to play off, but he's still playing man coverage, even though he's playing, you know, from a, a deeper depth from about six or seven yards off the uh, receiver. And then LaMarcus Joyner, he's another guy. Uh, really kind of uh, something that the issue that the Raiders have been, have been going through, though, is not all these guys have played great. <laughs> in man coverage. So, so even though the Raiders pride themselves on being a man coverage team, uh, the results aren't quite there. Um, the, the Raiders do play cover one, like a true cover one with a robber in the middle of the field and then a deep safety uh, with man coverage across the board. They play that more than any coverage that, um, th- that they have. And unfortunately, they've all, they also give up a lot of yards in the passing game with this coverage. So something that down the stretch the Raiders have done to kind of improve is that they've incorporated a little bit more of what's called like a split field cover four match coverage. 
So really, I, I'm just trying to, to speak about it plainly here. One side of the defense is going to run one coverage, and the other side of the defense is going to run another coverage. Okay, and usually it's like a combination of some type, some type of safety playing deep and a corner playing uh, shallow, or if it's you know them playing man across the board. Uh, the reason why they do that is, first of all, it, it's their favorite run defense. They have called this on first and ten more than any other uh, more than any other coverage. Right. Because it puts potentially nine men in the box to defend the run, and so the Raiders have done a really good job playing, man, or playing run defense uh, with this coverage. Uh, and then the other thing, the other reason why they do it is because they're trying to help out guys like Carl Joseph and Lamarcus Joyner, who sometimes if they're on man coverage on a tight end or a big slot receiver, um, if it does turn into a pass, they've been kind of smoked in this area. So that this is where I've seen the Raiders kind of shift from being like a really heavy cover one team especially last year with Paul Gunther to now kind of like the split field quarter they're running more success so one, one thing I'll say about Garon Conley the difference between playing cover one and then the split field quarters is the leverage and the technique changes a little bit in cover one you have safety help and uh, low help in the middle of the field whereas cover four you really don't have a lot of help it's, uh, depending on what the other receivers do. If the other receivers go vertical, the safety has to buy them, and Garon Conley has to just play, basically play, like, no safety help, true man coverage against these guys. And so that means you have to play with the inside leverage, and you have to use the, the sideline to kind of, um, you know, bracket the receiver. And I think I think changing Garon Conley's leverage has kind of hurt him at times. I, I see him kind of open the gate up is what it's called when instead of staying square to the man, kind of opening your hips up and letting the guy run by you without rerouting. Re and so he's given up a couple touchdowns in this cover four coverage that they're using. Uh, but that might be a reason why he's struggled down the stretch. It's interesting to hear because, you know, one of the, the strengths that we kept hearing about with Gary on is that man coverage. And I just feel like, I don't know when I when I see him out there, I feel like he's almost thinking too much and not necessarily sure. just reacting. Where you know the one play that I can I can think of it was a cover two situation where it looked like he was trying to play the flat and then not quite covering the whole shot as well. And it just feels like to me when he's out there, it's not as natural as it when it was at Ohio State or when he's at his best last year. I mean, if if you watch my Ohio State, he's not that they didn't run multiple coverages, but they're basically just in press man almost yeah. like 90 percent of the time yeah and when you're when you're doing that especially if you're playing cover one you don't have to rep that like where your where your help is it's the mm, same it's standard exactly. across all football levels you know so less thinking goes into mm -hmm. playing like cover one but then when you get now when you go into a game and you're going to play quarters three or four different calls depending on what the split of the wide receivers are and down in distance then a lot more thinking has to go into that now. So yeah. I think that's kind of where you maybe see some players struggle. Yeah, it's interesting on Conley because every time I'm seeing him get beat, like just for the last game example against the Bears, he was staring at the quarterback. So that was like telling me, like, was that zone coverage? Because that's why you were looking at the quarterback. I mean, you don't, you don't, you want to read the eyes on the quarterback, but you don't want to like just, you know, put your whole chips on there. That's why I was, it was kind of funny how he just like he froze there on that double move by was it Allen Robinson? I mean, this guy has just been—he's just been playing such at a low level these five games, and I'm a little bit disappointed because I'm one of the guys that advocated like this guy's going to be like the real deal for this season. You know, one of the few positives that I've actually said about a Raiders player, surprisingly. 
but he was, I mean, just because you just put him, you just hit the nail on the head that he's mainly, primarily, ideally, a man, a press man coverage corner. And he's been getting utilized a lot in the zone. And I remember when we were talking about, um, Matt, I remember when we were talking about a previous episode, talking about, hey, what, what was, what's up with this? We we're doing cornerback reviews. Like, hey, Conley just turned out better because he started, you know, with Chris and he saw in the film, hey, he just started doing better in zone and just got comfortable in the system because he understood what everyone's assignments were. Well, I don't know if he either, he's, I'm just not sure what he's doing because when I'm seeing what he, technique wise, there's not, there's not a flaw in his technique. You know, he's not, he's not playing, he's not backballing stupid. He's not committing stupid penalties, which is solid. He's good. He's not, he's not, he's, he's not playing, he's not playing mental error football. He's playing sound football, but he, he's just not making the plays and he's just making some dumb decisions at a certain time. And, I mean, maybe it's a usage factor. Maybe Gunther's not using him right the same way, you know, Rashawn Melvin's not being used. And look, Rashawn Melvin with the Colts, I mean, not with the Colts, uh, the Detroit Lions has one of the better ratings on pro football focus. And it's just it's just indicative of how he's just not just using his players right. I mean, that's an excuse Conley because overall I think it's more so him than it is Gunther. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's just a lot of con- contributing factors is going on to his poor play. I'm not sure how much much easier it's going to get against the Packers. You know, maybe it will get easier because Devontae Adams, it sounds like his toe injury is, like, bad, yeah. really bad at this point, unfortunately. You know, one of my favorite players in the league. But it's just how they're going to play him, how they're going to play everyone else. I mean, they're saying Darryl Worley is going to get some reps at safety. I mean, I was a little confused with that. I'm like, Darryl Worley at safety? I mean, it's not it's, it's not something that's that's actually far-fetched. You know, plenty of corners are able to, like, swing up there. And, but that's more, like, later down the career. I'm just wondering why Gruden was thinking that they should do that. Um, BD, did you see something that, that Darrell Worley did against the Chiefs that he was able to play? That It looked like he was pretty stout in coverage in the safety because, I mean, when they were going deep bombs, everyone was getting roasted, so I don't think yeah. it matters. <laughs> right. Well, what, what I will say about Darrell, I mean, yes, he played – some safety against the Chiefs after Jonathan Abram got injured. They decided to put him there on passing down, or a few passing downs at the beginning of the game. And like we were talking about, there's a lot of complicated coverage calls that you're going to get. And he did blow one of those that helped the Chiefs score. I think it was our first touchdown. Uh, first or second uh, was on a Darrell Worley blowing, blowing a coverage. But other yeah. than that, he's been pretty solid in coverages here, I would say. I mean, we were talking about it before the show. He hasn't other than that blown coverage he hasn't given up a touchdown and he has performed admirably against tight ends so i think yeah. something that when i'm looking at the raiders they like they like to run man coverage um uh, especially on uh third and short situations um they have been getting roasted though by bigger tight ends or bigger <laughs> wide receivers and tight ends because <laughs> marcus joiner is a five foot eight guy carl joseph's five ten even if they have great coverage the guy's gonna just jump over them when Raiders getting burnt by tight ends. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think I know, I've heard that before. Maybe putting Daryl Worley in at like a str- strong safety and getting Carl Joseph up out of there on you know third and shorts or a situation that they know um, that they're going to target the tight end. I think that that might be something that the Raiders see um, down the stretch here. Yeah, I mean, you know, one thing that about Worley playing safety, you know, BD touched on it. Outside of covering Kelsey being thrown into the fire in week two. You know, I, I actually wrote an article on this on Just Blog, baby. A little shameless plug there. Check it out. Coming out on Monday. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but one thing that I noticed or from Pro Football Focus stats is outside of covering Kelsey, Worley has only given up like on five targets, three catches for about 16 yards to tight ends. 
So, I mean, the guy's playing well, and I think that's why we're seeing Gruden or Gunther want to give him this more hybrid role. And, I mean, I like it a lot. You know, I think Worley's skill set being, you know, that sure tackler and that physical press man kind of coverage kind of guy, you know, I, I think he can be a good, one of those guys that is able to make the transition. And, you know, Jose, we were talking about it before, you know, one with running safeties, you know, this gives them another opportunity to keep their – their most talented players on the field, especially with Nevin Lawson coming back. And who knows, you know, maybe you give Trayvon Mullen a few more reps, see what he's got going on. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm interested to see, and I think it'll be a, a good move for the Raiders. It helps solve a problem for that I think's been in on the team for years, which is covering tight ends. So I think it'll pay big dividends for them. I'm interested to see what is going to happen. But, you know, especially after losing uh, Jonathan Abram, you know, I think if you look at uh, Abram and Worley's skill sets, you know, they're not the same. You know, Abram's definitely a, a bigger hitter than Worley is, but I think they got pretty similar skill sets for, for the most part. They've just been playing, you know, a little bit of different positions and whatnot. So I'm excited to see what it can be. Um, you know, I think it'll be a good move for him and add to it. And we all know how Paul Gunther loves his versatile players. So definitely a, a good case for, for Worley moving forward. Nice new role. So what are we thinking about overall grades here, guys? Because, I mean, I know we're just, we just spent time just talking about mainly secondary. Um, let's just touch up just a little bit on linebackers and and uh, the defensive line, then pr- uh, transition over to offensive line. So linebackers, it's, it's been flashy, but no, nothing as terrible as we thought. But no, it, it's, no. it feels like right where I thought they'd be, personally, for me, Matt, when we talked about it in previous episodes. And then defensive line. They're exactly where I thought, too, although I didn't <laughs> expect Benson Mayowa to look like a stud, surprisingly, in limited fashion. What I did expect was Cleveland Farrell to look like a... <laughs> which we'll talk about in the rookie report. Um, defensive lines, it's it, it hasn't been great, but they've been they, they've been whatever. You know, I, if anything, I think they've, they've impressed me more so over the last few games. But, you know, if I tie everything together... You know, you got to take also injuries into account. I think I'm going to have to go, if we're really getting particular here, with like a B-minus overall for the defensive grades, you know, through five games. It, you know, it's, it's B-minus is solid, you know, considering if they can put up a performance like that overall through the rest of the games for the season, then they'll be in a good spot. Yeah, I wouldn't argue too much with that grade. Uh, I think that the defensive line has been probably the best part of the Raiders' mm-hmm. defense. They, they've, you know, been up and down in coverage. Linebackers, I mean, Tucker yeah. Whitehead, he gives up so many catches. <laughs> um, yeah. He has played better against the run this year than he did last year. When you watched him at Detroit a couple years ago, he's a really good run-stuffing uh, linebacker, and he's kind of getting back to that this year. But he leaves a lot to be desired in coverage. Nicholas Morrow is really stepping up. I think that he could be a good player for the Raiders. But the, the defensive line for the Raiders – hasn't got as many sacks or as often maybe as we'd like. Obviously, they did four against the Chicago Bears um, in London. Uh, but they're, uh, Carl Gunther's scheme, he really is selling out to stop the run. And, and the Raiders have given up. I think they're like top 10 run defense right now in football. Uh, they're doing a really good job of stopping the run. That starts with the defensive line. Jonathan Hankins is a beast. Um, this guy, Josh Morrow, he's a great run-stopping defensive end. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of these other guys have been making splash plays here and there too against the run. So I, I think that that's the defensive line is the best part of the Raiders' defense right now, and we'll see if they can turn into, you know, an elite unit if they can improve their pass rush. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, you know, 
the biggest disappointment on the defense has been the DBs. You know, Jose and I, we were talking about it in the preseason. We felt, you know, the secondary was one of the more talented units on the defense. And, I mean, maybe I'm letting the Chiefs game get to me too much. Obviously, I thought this was going to be a good unit. And, you know, the Chiefs are a different animal. I'll give them that. But I think, you know, as it's gone, you know, we're talking about Conley. You know, I had big expectations for him, and he's disappointed. Worley's played well, but LaMarcus Joyner hasn't been that $10.5 million man that we've hoped he would be. And I mean, honestly, Jose, you know, I, I'm, I had, now part of this is because I had very low expectations going into the season, but I've been really impressed with the linebacking core. Obviously, it's taken a huge hit with Vontez Perfect being suspended and Markel Lee and out. And I mean, shit. But has it? What? Has it taken a hit? Because they looked so much better without Vontes in the lineup on last Sunday. I guess Sunday. what I mean by taking a hit is by I'm talking like the names on the back of the jersey where you're thinking like right, just, right, just right. turnover and the whatnot. depth the depth yeah. is coming down. Yeah, and I mean that's the that's the silver lining with the linebacking core is you know while these big names like Markel Lee or big names for us might Markel Lee and Vontes perfect that have gone down you know that's given guys like Nick Morrow huge opportunities to step up and I I mean. I honestly think Nick Morrow is one of the better players on the defense right now. I mean, the guy's just killing yeah. it. And the guy's, you know, we're talking about covered tight ends. And so far, he's been one of the best ones at doing it. He's to me, has been probably the MVP of the defense, honestly, at this point. Um, so you what's know, your grade? Which, my where, grade? Are you, where, are you going, where are you going with the grade for this? Are you, um, you I'll rocking be, the B minus or are you putting something else up there? No, we're going 3.0s here. I'll be a homer. I'll, I'll give him a B just because. We're going uh, 3.0s. We're going 3.0s. <laughs> Now let's look on the other side of the ball. On the offensive side, let's start where we always do with the quarterback. And I, I just get this feeling. It's funny. Oh every year, it's like whenever I just want to give up on Derek Carr, he comes out and <laughs> proves me wrong. Whenever I feel like this guy's the guy for the future, he comes out and also proves me wrong. And I'm just like, <laughs> God damn it. Like, why can't we get some consistency? I mean, you know, last couple of games have been great. Two games before that were rough, but... I don't know. I'm curious, you know, what have you guys made of Derek Carr's play so far? Hold on, Matt. You just had, like, the best analogy of what Raider Nation feels about Derek Carr. That's, like, it doesn't get any better than that. It's just yeah. like, oh, he's my quarterback, but he's not, but he is because he's Raiders, but sometimes, fuck him. <laughs> you know? yeah. it's, like, it's like a mix. Like, what are you doing? You know, like, I mean, yeah, BD, take over. What's up with Derek Carr going on through these five games, man? Yeah, well, you have to also think about how much Derek Carr is being asked to do at the line of scrimmage, mm -hmm. and it doesn't really show up in the stat sheet. But you, if you watch the games and all that communication that he's doing, lots before like yeah, a run play or something like that. Uh, obviously, if you hand the ball off to Josh Jacobs, the stats don't go to him. Okay, mm -hmm. but he's getting the team in, in the right play. He deserves credit for that. So I think I think that's something that might get lost on you know people who aren't paying super close attention to it. They're seeing, you know, kind of lower yardage stat lines and things like that from Derek. He's not, you know, let's not get ahead of ourselves. He's not a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, you know. Right. But he's he's someone that he's growing in his command of John Gruden's offense. And with this offensive line in the run game the way that it is, if they're able to keep on running it at the clip that they are, Derek Carr will be able to, you know, make some, you know, crucial throws uh, like he did against Foster Moreau uh, yeah. for the touchdown against the. the so if if they don't if, if they ask him to sit back there and toss the ball around 50 times a game or something like that, it will probably not be a great result. But if they can stay balanced on offense, the Raiders can win with Derek Carr. Yeah, Derek. I mean, 
has, in terms of how he's looked, I think he's looked. If we're if we're looking more, has it been negative or positive? It's definitely been positive. I mean, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't necessarily like balled out. But I mean, he's been doing other than the Broncos game, of course, which you know the Broncos defense surprisingly has been just an utter failure. But other than that game, he he's he's been playing okay. You know, even the Chiefs game, it wasn't really like that bad a performance other than those two picks he did, which actually like BD one of those picks like Gruden even called out. He just said, you know, Derek Carr is just doing too much at the line. But it's like, what do you expect? You told him he wants to have control, so he wants to like tinker in his way. So is it doing too much, or should you limit him? So I mean. And even in a way, I felt like maybe, like, is this guy doing a little too much? You know, by checking to the run, he doesn't want the moment. And then you also have to realize then, well, then again, who, are they really going to win those matchups against that type of formation with those receivers? You know, it's like, it's the Garrett Carr is not a player that makes receivers better. He's one that needs, like, solid enough receivers so he can, like, hit them. You know, that's why I've, that's why I've started to realize, like, all right, there's quarterbacks that make the players look good or better. And there's quarterbacks that are just, like, good but need, like, cast. And then there's just, like, you know, game managers. And, like, cars in that middle pack. And that's good. You know, you at least you have someone there that can, like, do something. Forget the five games. The last game against the Bears, he played a pretty solid game. Other yeah. than, like, s some decisions he did. Like, I pointed out, like, why didn't – I forgot what drive. I should have noted that. But there was a play in the, in the third quarter, maybe fourth, where it was third and, like, nine or something like that. He had Hunter Renfro easy – Right there in the sticks, wide open on a dagger on a dagger route. Didn't hit him. Didn't even look his way. I mean, he went obviously checked down to like the three, four yards, or I don't even know if it was a check down. He just threw it there. So that's the thing that's just so frustrating about him. Like, dude, at one point, are we gonna stop making excuses? Well, did you know what he was reading? Did you know what the what the reads were? Like, no, no, come on. I mean, uh, all it seems like almost all quarterbacks, even just average quarterbacks, more average than Carr, are able to hit that route and read it better. But for some reason, he just wants to check down. That's why I was saying. Like BD last week, I said, I think this West Coast offense is enabling Carr to feel better about himself about checking down and just make excuses. Just the same way that he's getting defended on Twitter by like you know people. Oh, just do you know? Just did you know how his read was? Just like that. It's just like, well, I understand the West Coast offense is like short routes, but I mean when it's third, when it's third and whatever of the sticks, then you know. At that point, the read doesn't matter. You need to get there. I mean, I know you gotta take what they're giving you. You don't want to force an error. But at some point, you have to, like, you know, get in there, stick your foot down, and actually make a play. Be a quarterback. Be a good player for once. And so far, it doesn't feel like he's been doing that. But overall, in terms of controlling the game and doing good, making the right decisions, he's been well, well beyond stellar. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty happy with what I'm seeing, and I just can't wait to see how, how much better he's going to get as the season progresses. Yeah, I mean, you guys were talking about it. You know, BD, you mentioned it. He's checking at the line more, has more control of the offense. And, you know, as you guys were talking about it, I was kind of thinking, you know, he kind of has to be the brain on this offense with how much turnover has been in just in, well, in the last two years. But even just this year, you know, we're talking about how different the receiving core is. You know, he he is kind of that brain. And I, and I think, you know, Jose, what you're talking about and what people some people point out on – him, you know, maybe missing a read or missing an open receiver. You know, I think it's kind of two things. I think part of it is he, is he does have the brain, maybe thinking a little bit too much and maybe playing it a little safe. But I think another element to that is he hasn't really played with any of these receivers. I mean, we're talking about them getting guys off the street, getting Trevor Davis and getting uh, Zay Jones in, you know, the last couple of weeks. Obviously, he hasn't played with Zay yet, but I think part of it too is he doesn't trust that the he doesn't trust that the guys are going to be where they're supposed to be 
because he hasn't repped it with them, you know, and I, I, I hope that does improve as the year goes on and that'll tell, you know, if in week 14, 15, we're still sitting here talking about how, you know, he's missing guys on deep routes, then, you know, I, I definitely think it's uh, something to harp on even more. But I think to cut Derek a little bit of slack and to play a little bit of devil's advocate here, you know, I think having so much turnover, you know, he just doesn't trust the guys that some of the guys like, Hunter Renfro or maybe even Foster Moreau that he doesn't have as much chemistry with that they're going to be that they're going to be there so he's not looking their way whereas a guy like Darren Waller that he's had you know a year year and a half to to work with you know he's going to trust that he's going to be there a little bit more and probably look his way but I definitely think you know you know as the year goes on I like that Carr has more command of the offense, and hopefully we'll get to see some more deep shots. I mean, hey, what, Matt, what do we say? What do we say as Raiders fans, guys? Just win, just win, just right? win, baby. <laughs> just win, just win. If, he, if he's winning by just throwing a whole bunch of five-yard routes, we'll okay. take it. Uh, you exactly. know, I'm, I'm not gonna cry about it. John Gruden's offense is not a modern NFL offense. Okay, mm-hmm. it's not the type of offense that's gonna push the ball downfield like we see the Chiefs do, or maybe that we see uh, Philadelphia do. So he's, it's kind of, we, we got to understand as long as Gruden's going to be here, not, the offense is not going to be on the cutting edge. <laughs> uh, it's not going to be as exciting as these other offenses that we're seeing in the NFL. And so we just got to hope for wins and, you know, not blowing up the stat column. Bro. Yeah, probably. But yeah, but I it, think, go ahead. I think I'll counterpoint to that. Just, I think the only thing that at some point, I mean, especially with me, like, um, over at Sports Illustrated covering the 49ers, at some point, the quarterback's going to have to step up. You know, at some point, the 49ers, they're going to have to rely on Jimmy Garoppolo. At some point, the Raiders are going to need Derek mm-hmm. Carr to step up. So what, when's going to be that game that has to come to the wire when he's going to be the deciding factor? Is he going to shirk away and throw short of the sticks like he always does? Like, and I'm using that as an analogy as well. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's, it's good that, he, that the way they're doing, let's, let's keep that formula going. But at some point, there are going to be there's going to be that defense. There's going to be that situation where it's like, all right, Derek, it's you got to you know you got to shoulder shoulder some of this burden, you know that you, you got to start handling the plate and taking a portion of this offense onto you and making the plays. So the first whistle to the end of the game, can you just ball out and just like make this your game? I mean, we haven't seen that for a few years, and um, I think if it's if it's coming down to like a quarterback battle. I mean, that's why whenever we see, like, the Raiders play high-powered offenses and their defense is getting just straight murked, that Derek Carr doesn't ever meet meet the standards, you know, even against the Chiefs. I mean, it's one thing, of course, you know, the Chiefs are obviously one of the best offenses, if not the best. But, I mean, the fact that he can't even just stay in there and just stay on their trail, it's like, you know, part of that is Gruden, like you said, it's like, you know, it's not a modern offense. He's not going to let that out there and sling it. But, once again, it's another example of why aren't you, like, of revolving your I mean putting your offense around one player especially a quarterback you should because he does ideally does better when everything's spread out and you can see things better and get everything clear-cut but then again it's maybe a talent factor maybe it's just Gruden being stubborn I don't know whatever he feels it but Matt but going back to something you said about Darren Waller oh he's had about a year or so or less whatever to work with him I've seen people like try to criticize him like oh look look at Licky Derek Carr is trying to go for a tight end. That's not sustainable, just having your tight end as a number one option. And, and I just thought that was the stupidest point mm-hmm. I ever read. If you're going to criticize right. someone, criticize it on something that's, like, legit. I mean, just for tight ends, it's just – that's how it, – it's, it's good for Darren Waller. It's good for Carr. I mean, I mean, freaking Darren Waller, man. That guy is really – I mean, when, when, when John Gruden says he's, like, he's going to be a great offensive talent for us. First of all, when John Gruden says anything, I don't, I don't take him anything he says for face value. Matter of fact, when he says something, I always assume he's lying. <laughs> like more than half the time 
But the, the one thing he wasn't lying about, surprisingly, was about Darren Waller. That guy is just a phenomenal athlete. Yes. He's turned out good. And it's good that him and Derek Carr have that connection. And, I mean, I think the reason why for that criticism about Carr and to, to a tight end is because even since ever since 2014, tight end's always been like he, he hasn't had his enough connection with the receivers as opposed to tight end. Because even with 2014, it was Michael Rivera a lot. Yeah, Jared Cook last season and then uh, seasons prior. Um but yeah, it's it's good that you're going for the tight end, man. This matches safeties are hard to guard them, linebacker, then especially if you got a linebacker on them. So good on them. Um, since since we are grading the offense, I'll just touch up once again since quarterback was our main our main meat of the plate, and we'll just use the others as a little side dish. So offensive line, how about offensive line, guys? Oh my God, they have been stout as hell. I am a little shocked. Colton Miller, man, way to make me eat shit. Good job. <laughs> I mean, not just me, a lot of people. He's yeah. looking better and better through every game. Other than one, like, what was it, against the Vikings? That yeah. was probably, like, his worst game. And yeah. even that wasn't even too terrible. I mean, it was bad, but it wasn't terrible. Yeah, that was the lone it's... sack he's given up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, he, and, and just I me, mean, just from the eye test, he looked like he was getting bullied. And, I mean, running backs, I mean, <laughs> Josh Jacobs, please, just keep feeding that guy. Just keep feeding him. Utilize him a little more in the pa- passing game. I like how I liked, I liked how they utilized the running backs in the last game or than they did in the Colts game where they just dwindled down Jacobs into just a closer back. That feels a little stupid to me. Mm-hmm. And the receivers, receivers, you know, and I understand, you know, AB's not there, so that kind of took the top off of the, the jar there a little bit, the lids off, and when Tyrell's not there, they get a little exposed. Overall, dude, offense, in terms of how everyone's been playing, I'm a, I'm going to give them a B, you know, offensively, I'm going to okay. give them a B, and I think it's just because the last two games has swayed me. You know, it's I know the, the, the opponent, other than the Bears, wasn't too top of the line, but, you know, the offense overall has been a B for me. I, I would say, uh, honestly, I would say about B minus, same as defense. Yeah. They're, the the issue with the offense, really, if they're down, have we seen a John Gruden offense come back from, like, a 2 Yes, exactly. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's true. De- deficit. So if, if they can, you know, stay where the game is, like, within, you know, reach – I think that they're good. They can stay balanced. But if they have to get one-dimensional, we haven't really seen them show like they can do that. So that's my biggest question mark about them. And it doesn't really help when you have so much turnover at wide receiver to even try that, to attempt that like against the Vikings. It was like impossible at that at that rate. So I, I like what I'm seeing. I'm encouraged by the offense. I want to see them come back, you know, and, and put, their, put the game on their shoulders if they need it, if the defense can't bail them out. So I'd say about B-minus. Yeah. I mean, I don't really have much to add other than what you two, what you guys said. I think you guys hit the nail right on the head. You know, the one thing I will add, uh, Jose, is we were talking about Richie Incognito in the offseason. And, uh, you know, the guy's played well, too. He's another guy that I think yeah. is eating, a, is making both of us eat a little crow this season. So, um, but yeah, as far as a grade, you know, like I said, 3.0s, baby. I, th- I, I give him a B. It's a good sign for things to come. You know, I think they can be a good unit, but... You know, there's definitely still still a little meat on the bone and nice. Everyone, yeah. so everyone's pretty low on, yeah. on the same page here, essentially. Yeah. Nice, yeah. So yeah, exactly. That's the perfect point that BD and I just said that. Oh, if they if they have to with Derek Carr, well, I pointed more Derek Carr, but this offense, like, if you're gonna look for a shootout, like try to match match an offense pound for pound, point for point, it's it's that's that probably not gonna happen, and that's a little bit of an issue. No, nah, that's a big. That's kind of a big issue. It's not a little bit issue. That's a big issue because in this league, it's offensive. You know, the, it's kids of the offense, and if you can't score points, then something you gotta start looking inward more than outward. Well, I think let's move on to to the rookies so far. 
you know, I think for time's sake, we'll stick to uh, our guys, Farrell, Jacobs, uh, Mullen, and Crosby, basically the rookies who have gotten the most amount of snaps. Um, right. So first things first, we'll start with uh, Mr. Cleveland Farrell. Well, you know, I was obviously really high on the guy coming out of the draft. I had him ranked fifth. I, you know, people told me I was crazy. And when Mayock took him at four, I was vindicated. And now I'm sitting here with egg on my face. You know, PFF posted a couple of weeks ago that he has the lowest pass rush win, win rate. That was tough to say. Um, the lowest pass rush win. <laughs> I'm just going to stop. Um, but anyway, he's the lowest in that in the NFL. You know, that's a... That's a concerning sign. And what's concerning for me is obviously you can't judge a rookie on, you know, four games. He's got plenty of time to turn it around. Then again, lowest in the NFL is never what you want to see. What's concerning for me for Cleveland Farrell is that, uh, you know, part of the reason why I had him rank so high is I'm one of the most uh, NFL ready so uh, coming out. And, you know, Obviously, he's proven the opposite of that, and I didn't view him as a guy who had a necessarily a, a really high ceiling because of his deficiencies in athleticism, and that's the thing that I think is concerning to me is, you know, he, to me, he was supposed to be a guy that not necessarily would come in and be a, you know, double-digit digit sack guy, but, you know, I thought he would be better than the worst pass rusher in the NFL. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean... You already know how I feel about the guy. I yeah. thought he was a, a pretty big reach for uh, number four. I mean, I know it's a small sample size, and that's all everyone's going to say about my criticism of him. It's a small sample size. Oh, Khalil <laughs> Mack was, was just as bad. Well, I mean, yeah, but, I mean, you weren't uh, – it's, it's, I understand that, but it's not entirely the same situation or even that much similar – but point being, in terms of players who they could have upgraded over, oh, hey, look, Josh Allen was there on the table. Guess how many pressures he's generated through five games? 18 and three sacks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, you know who else is on there? Brian Burns, 17 pressures, three and a half sacks. And both of those players are rookies. Both of them rank in the top ten. They're in the comp of Shaquille Barrett, who's freaking just on a roll, who's going to get cashed out in this next offseason. Brandon Graham, Marcus Davenport, Cameron Jordan, Zadarius Smith. That is the company those rookies are in. Where Cleveland Farrell falls is not even in the stadium. This guy <laughs> isn't even in the parking lot. This guy is in an entirely different state. He is bad. All right? <laughs> and I'm not saying, like, he has no talent. Maybe he, maybe he just straight up hasn't tapped into it. Point being, don't draft projects in the first round of the top five of your picking the fact that they're trying to find a role from him is just point proving that he's just been underwhelming and that they're they've made a bad choice right now right now all right we can revisit it when the season ends but i thought it was so low tier football that you would draft someone just to fit your system when is paul gunther even in it paul gunther's not even the future clearly Farrell's more the future i don't understand this you, you drafted him for the fit you drafted him to change the culture, but hey, I mean, I know change culture apparently doesn't generate pass rushes, I guess, you know? It doesn't do enough in run stop. I mean, I know he's had little contributions here and there, but there's the consistency and the impact. You know, it's a number fourth overall. You draft immediate impact players when you're in the top five. You don't do any of this project, you know, I'm going to work on him and figure it out. Like, no, no, you, he needs to be someone there. 
I mean, even Ed Oliver, my guy who I wanted, has been beasting out in Buffalo. Even though he hasn't had the stats, that's just because he's a proponent of that defense. That defense is amazing out there, and they just have talent all over. But, I mean, there was just so many different players they could have had right now that if you plug and played them into that into this defensive line, that this defense would have easily looked better. And Colin Farrell, to me, through five games, is an insane bust. F. <laughs> I'm not going to go quite all the way to the opposite end of the spectrum, but I'm definitely not as far down as an F on Colin I'm so Farrell. negative. A <laughs> couple, couple, things, couple things that I'll say. As far as, yeah, as a, being, if we're just grading him as being a pass rusher, he's not been effective for the Raiders. So, yes. But he has to do he has to do two things. He has to rush passer, yes, and he also has to stop the run, okay? Uh, what they're asking him to do in Paul Gunther's defense, he's having to two-gap, which you're not going to get a great pass rush if you're two-gap. They're right. asking him to go on gap exchanges where he's uh, uh, slanting down into the B-gap. You're not going to get a great pass rush if it turns into a pass play when you're slanting into the B-gap, okay? Um, so really what the, the way that they're using him primarily is to stop the run, especially when he's playing base. And, and then what has kind of probably not hurt him, but I think it also – you're, you're saying they're trying to find a role for him. I, that might be correct. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll say you might be right on that. But I think it shows a lot that they're willing to put a rookie defensive end, rush over the three technique in a lot of these games so far. Like, that's asking him to do a lot and learn it all on the fly. But his work against the run, I think, has been pretty darn good. So I, I would give him a C+. Plus. Okay. okay, a little more optimistic than I would be. You know, I I think I gave him a, a D plus on my JBB article, but yeah, I, I mean, I I hear what you're saying. You know, that he is primarily to stop the run. I guess for me, it's just like you know, with such a ha- pass happy league, you know, like Jose's talking about drafting a a run defender in the top five isn't typically what you're yeah. looking for. You know, had Cleveland been you know pick twenty four, you know, I, I think I'd be a little bit easier on him, but I think. You know, with his status, it kind of it it we hold it against him a little bit. You know, whether that's fair or not, it's up to you, up to your judgment. But you know, I I just think for where he was drafted and the Raiders' need that he was hopeful to fill. You know, that's what that's what hurts. I think Frank for me right now. BD, when I meant uh when, when I should have I should have clarified this when they said finding a role, I was more I was quoting a Vic Tafer of the Athletic. Even he himself, when someone questioned, hey, why is Cleveland Furl getting looks inside and he just said the Raiders are just trying to find a role from him and being someone that's been around the team I think that that's 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 something that pissed me off like said what do you mean they're finding a role for him I mean and and just the fact that he never got looks in Clemson inside is just more of a proponent of that they just they just there's just someone over and over again they'd rather try to like make a decision they made look bad to try to look good and they will keep pounding the table on that just so they can flex their chests over and over again. And then that's, I think it's a little bit just a point of just how much of a stubbornness that the coaches led by obviously Gruden just keeps trying to do. And so, I mean, uh, I, I'll, I'll say this. So no one just says like, I'm a, I'm an undercover fan. It's, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's early. I'm obviously I'm, we're talking right now in the moment we're talking through five games. So of course he's an F for me. But it's it's not over, you know. Let's revisit this after a year, and even then, it's still not over. He still has other careers, and I'm and I'm hoping I eat crow, you know. I'll admit it. And if he does, <laughs> then I'll come out here and I'll just straight up, I'll actually record myself eating crow. Not really, but you understand what I'm saying, what I'm going yeah. here. So <laughs> next guy up is uh, Mr. Josh Jacobs. You know, I know we've been on here before of oh. of being very against running backs in the first round, Jose and I at least. 
Um, but you know, I, I gotta be honest, I'll put my hand up again and I'll, I'll admit when I'm wrong. And you know, I, I feel like Josh Jacobs has played his way into a first round running back. You know, I'm not ready to put him into the category of Saquon Barkley, Melvin Gore, or sorry, no. Saquon Barkley or, uh, or Todd Gurley or Ezekiel Elliott as like a top five, top 10 running back. But, you know, I, I think for where he was drafted at 24 and what he's been able to do, you know, I'm ready to put him in that category of being worth a for late first round pick. You know, not obviously Melvin Gordon, I think, was like 16, but right there is about a similar uh, evaluation for him. You know, I think I think he's been a good pick. You know, I gave him an A. Jose, he might uh, disagree with me a little bit, but, you know, I'm curious. What have you guys thought on uh, Jacob so far? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, give, give him an A. <laughs> this guy plus my games for the Raiders. Not not only not only his run, uh, rushing ability, but his ability to also pass protect, you know, has, is something that keeps him on the field all three downs. It's, and and you don't really see a lot of rookie running backs being able to do that. Uh, usually, it's pass protection is what they suck the most at coming into the NFL, <laughs> and they have to really learn that. Yeah. And Josh Jacobs has proven he can he can pass protect. You know, give him the ball. They're not giving the ball enough in the, in the pass game. You know, he can do some damage there too. So I I definitely give him an A. Okay, yeah, I'll, I think I'll go there too. I'll give him an A as well. Um, oh, it's not Turn. even. No, 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 no. I'm not saying <laughs> I'm still standing firm that you don't take court running backs in the first round. I'm talking. This is about his play. His play has been right. A. I never said right. he was a bad player ever. <laughs> he, matter of fact, he should have an A plus if it wasn't for Gruden holding him back. Shocker. Yeah. Once again, another good thing. <laughs> You know, I mean, like I said, just back in the Colts game, man, I don't understand why he was just reduced to a closing role. I mean, I don't understand the Vikings game, Matt. We talked about, like, okay, Jacobs, I understand that. You know, he had a little – he was nicked up, and he was also sick. All right, cool. Well, I'll consider that a wash. But overall, he's been, play, he's been playing solid. And the thing I'll continue to say ever since the first game is this guy's vision is elite. It's not yes. – that's not really something you can co- coach too, too well that will transition and resonate with the player. That's something that's just that they're just embedded with through instinct and everything. And I mean, this guy is just his vision, man. It's just so nice to see, especially on the all 22, what this guy's doing, how, how like squiggly he gets in between the tackles. He just has it. And it's, I hope what it is turns into a top five, top 10 running back. And um, like I said, let's hopefully he gets used more in the passing game. Not, not total every snap. Cause once again, I understand this isn't mad and there's fatigue, but mm-hmm. He's been balling out, man. I'm, it's just fun to watch him carry the rock. I haven't been excited to see a running back Raiders carry the rock since Darren McFadden. I mean, <laughs> I know we had Marshawn Lynch who just bulldozed, and that was fun to watch. But I mean, Darren McFadden, you knew he was taking it to the house. So it's, yeah, I hope it's a, I hope it's a matter of time, given how offensive, how great this offensive line has been, before we start seeing Jacobs do that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Jacobs has had a great year. I mean, you could argue that Jacobs is the team MVP right now, honestly. Mm-hmm. But moving forward, for the sake for the sake of time, I think we'll we'll skip over Trayvon Mullen since he hasn't played a whole lot. But Max Crosby, I mean, you know, first couple of weeks, you know, I I think he was probably held back a little back with that broken hand, and being a rookie, you know, he didn't get a whole lot of snaps. Um, but the last couple of games, the guy Mad Max has been on the loose, and the guy has been going crazy. You know, got his first NFL sack, had a hell of a game against who was it the Colts, you know had like two pass deflections. I think he ended up with four pressures and a quarterback hit. I mean, the, the guys were just killing it right now, you know. I think if he had put together more games like the last two, I would grade him higher. I think I had him at a B, B plus. Um, I think it's a B actually. But anyway, you know, I think 
if he keeps showing what he has in these last two weeks, you know, he could be a hell of a steal for uh, for the Raiders moving forward. You know, I've loved the guy. I liked him coming out of Eastern Michigan, and you know, he's really been a, a bright spot of this draft class. And you know, the, the best, in my opinion, the second best uh, rookie for the Raiders behind Josh Jacobs. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I'd say, I honestly, I give him an A minus. He has, you know, he, he okay. has one sack in the NFL. Sure, he has two pass deflections. He has mm-hmm. that forced fumble, and he's done yeah. it in such limited snaps. You when you compare him to Cleveland Farrell, he's played probably like a third, yeah. third of the snaps Cleveland Farrell has played. So you know he he's made a huge impact, and the sack that he had against the Bears in, in the first quarter that's that's a legit NFL sack. It's not you know yeah. something that's like the quarterback held it for too long where he's running around you know and had the ball for like seven seconds or something like that. That was a quick win. Uh, beat the guy inside and the quarterback really didn't have time to do anything so if we if we see that if that's like uh, something that, uh, for things to come max crosby is a huge steal he's playing you know he's playing out of his mind right now last couple weeks definitely out of his mind that maybe that's why they're starting to call him i mean not starting that's why it's called a mad max crosby <laughs> so i mean uh it's just it, he's been great value pick and Hopefully he's able to keep this momentum going because the Raiders desperately need that extra edge, especially Arden Key's going to be out the next couple of weeks. I mean, what a bust it's looking like. He's turning out, and that's the player who I was really excited for last season. And it looks like Crosby, he's 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 riding that, he's he's doing that good, man. He's that bully football right now. <laughs> and watching just watching over like some a little bit of the tape from the last game, just what he did wasn't straight finesse. It was just straight up like I'm I'm gonna hey I'm gonna sack your quarterback, and there's <laughs> nothing you're gonna do about it. I just love that, dude. That's just awesome when, when dudes are able to do that on that defensive line. Like, I'm going to take him down, and there's no goddamn thing you could do about it. That's pretty <laughs> much what he did. So, yeah, definitely probably the first few games limited because of his hand. I think I'm pretty much with BD there, like A- minus as well, just what he's been doing and, like, how he's looking more impactful than most of the other pass rushers. I mean, next to Benson Mayoa, once again, it's freaking crazy. But, yeah, yeah it's looking interesting with, with Max Crosby and – uh Against the Packers, he's really going to need to show up because Aaron Rodgers is a pocket manipulator. That guy dances around there. He shifts the line. That's why he's a little difficult to take down because he just he knows how to to- he knows how to toy with the coverages and the pass rushers. So that's going to be a that's going to be a fat measuring stick for this defensive line for them. All right, I guess I'm just too uh, too hard on Crosby then, but. Um... You know, hater, you're the real I, negative. I'm a hater. You're the real negative host on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, we'll play this back and uh, play all your John Gruden clips, and we'll figure out who the hater is. <laughs> well, hey, we'll but, do a little, we'll do a real little remix. Uh, we'll get your boy who made our theme to go ahead and make a little, make a little cut out of that. <laughs> give a beat, on, give a beat to the back of it. Let's go. Yeah. I like it. I like it. All right, big thank you to BD for hopping on. BD, where can the good people find you? Yeah, uh, thanks, guys, for having me on. You can follow me at BDWilliams18 on Twitter. I also write for Silver and Black Pride. Uh, part of the team covers the Raiders. They do a great job. So check me and all the staff writers out, out at Silver and Black Pride. Jose, thanks, where can the people find you? At Jay Sanchez, SI. Come get at me, people. And uh, I'm glad we were able to get BD as our first like real like breakdown film person. It's so fun to bring on like people to actually break it down. Like It's like... We get our opinion, and it's like, oh, no, that's not really what's going on, guy. Here's what's really going on. Like, yeah, put us in our place. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And you can find me on Twitter at mholder95. Follow the pod at SweetFly. Gmail's up. Send us any topics you want to hear about. And, of course, give us those five-star reviews wherever you listen. Until the next one. Hey, loves it. <laughs>